Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! Your destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play by play man Dan Dewey and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Yes, indeed. Golazo Supremo. Golazo, golazo, golazo. Asto, asto, asto. <laughs> Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley. Rick, it's good to see you again, my brother. You know what's great is that. Uh, you know, do, we love Andres Cantor. Love him. Before that, I think about Tony Torado, who, 1982 World Cup, he was more low. He'd be like, Dinamarca. Oh, it's so good. And then you go to the Argentines. Go, 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 go. And, you know, the Luis Alberto Torres from Colombia. Everyone with a different style, certainly. I got to meet one time. This was years ago at the Coliseum. Mexico was playing. I got to meet the great Norberto Longo, who was the color man to Andres Contour. Not in, to be mistaken with Roberto Longo, the hockey goalkeeper. No, not the right. Canadian goalkeeper. No. Thank you. So Norberto Longo, he actually said the S word in 1990 in the consolation game between Italy and England. Oh, Italy was winning one nothing. Uh, a cross came, comes in late from Tony Dorigo. David Platt heads it in. And Andres Cantor said, Centro, Centro, Platt. And there was a, a pause. And then you heard, shh, except the actual <laughs> word. It's podcast. And then, yeah, and, he went, and, and the thing was, is because that meant they'd have to stay for El Tiempo Suplementario. Right, of course. And so I got to meet Norberto Longo, and, and he's no longer with us, unfortunately. He was an older man. And I said, hey, Norberto, and I start to tell the story, and he's laughing. And I haven't got it out yet. I go, hey, I always wanted to ask you. And he's like, hee, hee, I go, in that consolation game, he's like nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I already know what you're going to say. I said the S word on the air. So How funny. That was great to actually meet the great Norberto Longo. That's a great story. And uh, I didn't know about the career of Norberto Longo, but now subsequent to this recording of the podcast, I'm going to look it up in some of his his famous calls, the Andreas Cantor calls mm. and the other Spanish language announcers were my inspiration when I was doing soccer play by play for the entirety of the uh, 2014 season for the San Jose Earthquakes. And by the way, Chris Wondolowski joining us as our podcast guest coming up here in uh, just a few minutes. We'll talk to Wando, but mm. I tried to channel the Spanish language broadcasters when I was doing play by play and it. It probably didn't work very well because it's in English, right. but it gave rise to two of the all-time top 20 calls in Quakes history, certainly. Blonde-haired Bedlam, when Stephen Lenhart scored on blonde-haired Wignite in the 96th minute, right. which was, uh, I was filling in for Jim Cosimore. That performance ultimately catapulted me into getting the regular gig, and the next year, during the California Classico, my call of Gordon, uh, Alan Gordon's game winner, they were a man down... And a goal down. They scored twice. You lost your voice. In extra time, yes. It was fantastic. Gordon, 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 Gordon. Mm-hmm. And again, trying to channel the, the Spanish language announcers and, you know, the golazo, 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 mm-hmm. which is why this podcast is aimed what it is. But, That's one thing I sort of learned from Martin Tyler uh, in the 80s is that he would just yell the guy's last name. 
like Graham Stewart hit a goal. Stewart! You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> but you know what? Growing up, the only place I could see the World Cup was on Spanish language television. Right, right. And, and I remember when Andres Cantor in 1994 World Cup, ABC came in and they're like, this guy is such a kick. Uh, let's do a whole um, you know, bit on him. And they showed it at halftime. And afterwards, Andres Contour said, have you ever heard in the history of broadcasting a competitor doing a feature about why you should watch the guy on right. the other channel? <laughs> right. That's they just crazy. did not see him as a threat whatsoever. No, and it's ultimately <laughs> you know, people are going to watch what they watch. And I think with soccer in particular, people watch not necessarily the language they want, but the broadcaster they want. The worst ever, because when I worked at Sports Channel in the 90s, we used to take commercial breaks during the game, which is horrible. But that 1990 World Cup final in Italy between Argentina and Germany, it was carried on ABC TV, and it was called the Budweiser World Series of Soccer. That's what they called it, and they got Roger Twybell with Kyle Rowe Jr. Roger Twybell was a football announcer. So the ball would roll out of bounds. He goes, okay, who gets it? And that line goes, it's a corner kick. And he goes, corner kicks are good, right? And if you love soccer, you died a thousand deaths during that game. But we've come a long way, Dan. Very, very long way into now where we have Premier League games on the weekend, and we actually have American announcers. Yes. Arlo White, who does it. Arlo's not bad. I like Arlo. I like Arlo. He's not bad. He mixes the American knowledge level with the English parlance, and I think he does a nice job of keeping it light, injecting some humor, Mm -hmm. etc. You can't talk Premier League without... Revisiting what happened last weekend, Rick, Tottenham with a tough loss, 1-0 to Manchester United and uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Solskjaer. I've been practicing, but I haven't been able to quite get it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, of course, scored that famous goal, Champions League final against Bayern Munich. I was at actually Schroeder's watching that game, rooting for Bayern Munich. Super Mario Bosler scored the first goal. And of it course, was, what, 99? Yeah, uh, 2000, I think. Okay. Teddy Sheringham with the, the goal in extra time. It's amazing to me how Solskjaer has aged. He's really not that old, and he's got gray hair already. It might be a European thing. My life as a manager, too. <laughs> and also, he lives in Norway, if I'm yes. not mistaken. He's from Norway. He obviously doesn't live there now, mm-hmm. but not a lot of sun in Norway. Not a lot of sun in Norway. But, yeah, that was a game that was, that was tough because uh, Tottenham in the, uh, the second half really woke up. And it, it's, it's tough because you want to get chances on goal. They had them in almost every single one they kicked right at David De Gea. Now, I'm not going to say they were all easy saves because he still had to have the right positioning. But they kicked them all right at him, and it was frustrating beyond belief. And then to hear Harry Kane is out six to eight weeks after that game, Youngmin Sun, who, by the way, they just beat China, did South Korea uh, today 2 nothing uh, in the Asian Cup. He's out. Lucas Mora is still hurt. So even when we had Kane, I say we as a Tottenham fan, we had no cover right. outside of um, Fernando Llorente, who's old and slow, and then Vincent Janssen, who's turning out for the under-23s after his lone spell in Turkey's over, they don't want him. So they literally, uh, Pochettino and, and uh, Levy have to get together, and they, they got to buy somebody. Without a doubt, and Man U moves closer to possibly getting into the Champions League. They sit sixth right now in the table with uh, still plenty of time remaining for Manchester United to make the move. I, I couldn't help but watch Paul Pogba playing under the new manager and seeing how much freer he plays. Is it just that simple to where you get Mourinho out, you get a new manager in, one who could just say to the players, play your game, go ahead and do what you do best. Why was Mourinho so unable to to make that move? He was so controlling. He had them playing a really withdrawn style, no imagination. Romelu Lukaku 
has basically been relegated to super sub. I don't understand how just a simple manager change could make their side look so much different. Well, as we know in sports, there's always a honeymoon period with any player. Um, but to me, I, I wouldn't say it's it's hugely tactical, although they are going forward a lot more. When you don't have that draconian presence hanging over you, like what is Solskjaer going to say to Pogba? To me, Pogba is the exact replica of Stefan Effenberg, who used to play for the German national team, Euro 96, uh, a midfielder who can get forward, kind of like a, a, a Rude Hulett in his older days. I'm not going to compare him to him just yet. But a guy that will outmuscle you on the ball and will put in some soft, deft touches as well. And if you watch Man United under the special one, you didn't really get to see why they had paid that much money for, for Pogba at that point. Yeah, and you look at the speed that they're able to roll out with Lukaku on the bench, and you don't have the big target up top to play the vertical game. But what you have with Rashford and Martial and uh, Lingard even, who's got some speed, Mm -hmm. I think their ability to threaten you on the flanks and also threaten you down the seam as well makes them such a dangerous side. Yet, how could Mourinho not have, and I don't know if it's whether or not he could, quote, figure it out, but it seemed like, he was trying to square peg and round hole a system on Manchester United that didn't necessarily fit the personnel. Right, and I love Big Rom, and he starts for Belgium for a good reason. He's a classic number nine. You're going to put crosses in on his big head. So when you're going to play with Rashford and Lingard, are you going to use those guys as wingers? If you're going to use them as strikers, then there's nowhere to put uh, Big Rom, unless you wanted to put Big Rom out there and then have someone in the pocket like Paul Scholes used to do for Sir Alex Ferguson. You could have him sort of in the pocket behind, but... Man, what a, I mean, I was watching that game, and, and Lukaku comes off the bench, and I'm like, oh, great. Here's a guy that would start for 90% of the teams coming off the bench. I mean, right. Javier Mata is on the bench. That guy always seems to score against Tottenham. So, and don't they still have Alexis Sanchez on the squad as well? Alexis, yeah. So, Alexis Sanchez. Yes, Alexis. Um, they have so much quality, yet Mourinho was unable to figure out the combinations, and it seems like Ole Gunnar Schulstad has a better idea. I know I butchered it, but I'm, right. I'm just going to go with it. Ole Gunner, and then I'm just going to just try to just mumble <laughs> Just say OGS. Yeah, he is an OG, triple OG. Seems like he's figured it out is all. And by the way, a, uh, a selfie I took with a regular camera 12 years ago when Chelsea was playing Club America at Stanford. I now, took you that. didn't take the picture yourself. Yeah, I did. You actually did? I took a selfie with a regular camera. Yeah, I think I was the first person. It wasn't called a selfie no, back then. No, it wasn't. It was called an embarrassing uh, photograph. I have one called. of me and uh, Dick Vitale from the <laughs> Final Four, which is exactly the same. I just kind of leaned in and said, hey, do you mind? And snapped a quick pic, but it wasn't called a selfie. Were right. you an adult or were you a diaper dandy, baby? I a diaper dandy, PTP. <laughs> Michelangelo with the midcourt. Sadly, I was about 40 years old, so too old to be <laughs> fawning over Dick Vitale, but... Your picture with the with the chosen one. So yeah, the the special one, as yeah, you said. Exactly. So I remember he came in, and it's funny he wins the Champions League with Porto, and Tottenham were supposed to hire him, and I didn't know about him, but he came in and he said, "I just want to let everyone know that I am the special one." And his remember he was forever. There's a great great documentary now. I think it's on Netflix about Bobby Robson, who I love. I loved him ever since Italia '90, and it talks about his days as a player with Fulham and with the Tractor Boys getting Ipswich Town into Europe, and of course his days with Barcelona, Newcastle, but. He had a young former failed player, Jose Mourinho, who was his translator. And you just see him at all these stops, PSV Eindhoven. You see him go through. I mean, he's the guy that got Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, not Cristiano Ronaldo, right. over Brazil to play for uh, PSV. It's amazing to see Mourinho there next on, on Bobby Robson's shoulder. And you see him with, like, you know, the 90s hair yeah. and all that. It's, it's a great documentary. 
Yeah, Manchester United with uh, Brighton this week as we roll through the Premier League. It's uh, match day 23. I'm just going to tell a little story about my trip to Old Trafford. Would you please? Yes. So this is 2001. It is the FA Cup semifinal. And you play them in neutral venues as they did back then. So Arsenal's playing Tottenham. And I was writing for European Soccer Weekly, which I loved doing. I was the only American on that staff. And I did that for many years. And so um, we're driving up. I'm with a couple of my other journos. And apparently the Manchester firms and massives, or we would say gangs, they said, you southern lot, if you fly your colors up here, we'll have you. Yeah. So we'll have you means we'll beat the crap out of you. But not, it doesn't mean we'll come over and we'll have a nice fairly chat. Probably we're not going to have a cuppa. Yeah. Especially back then when the fists would fly (laughs) at these fixtures much more readily. Right. And this was, you know, still after the Taylor report, everything was all cedar. They thought they had gotten rid of the English disease, but still the southerners (laughs) were not supposed to fly their cars. Right. So um, I'm meeting everyone. I spent the night in Chester, gateway to Northern Wales, and then go to Manchester that morning, and I'm going to meet up with this huge group of Tottenham fans staying at uh, the Thistle Hotel in Piccadilly Circus. I didn't know Manchester also had a Piccadilly Circus. So I walk down into this room, and this guy's like, okay, be careful, because they hate journos because they think you're going to expose things, and they really hate Americans. So you're both. You're screwed on and both they knew sides. And they knew I was coming. So I walk down, and there's this hotel lobby, and it's like 9 a.m., and there are about 50 Tottenham fans, and they're all just wearing things that say Gap or Old Navy. I come in, Tottenham scarf, Tottenham baseball hat, Tottenham jersey, Tottenham rain jacket, because it was poor weather. I have four Tottenham things on. I didn't know about the threat. I'm an American sports fan. This is what you wear. And I wasn't sitting in a press box, so I could wear the kit. They just were like, top man. But they're like balls of steel, right? Flying the colors, and so they all just thought that I was spitting on yeah. the Manchester massive. Like I'll wear whatever I want. What I realized is that I was in great peril walking down the street. But they thought that I was like, "Screw you! I'll do what right. I want." Right. So even though you were an American and a journo, you were immediately loved. Right. And I'll never forget because this is the first time I ever had a Stella Artois. Ooh. They said, um, "Can we get you something to drink?" And I'm with my friends, and I said, "I just want like a, an orange juice." It's 9 a.m. And they're like, don't order that. I go, how about a Diet Coke? They go, you have to drink beer or it's going to be very bad. <laughs> and I said, a beer. And they gave me a Stella Artois. And, and Love Affair was born with Stella. But going into the stadium, as we know, everything's segregated. So there's mounted bobbies. And the sign said, Arsenal fans this way, Tottenham fans that way. You can't sit with each other. Right. I almost made that bad mistake getting a ticket from a tout sitting with Sunderland fans one time at White Hart Lane. That's the story for another day. So we were separated. And... and all, all the Arsenal and Tottenham fans, back then you still had Highbury and you still had White Hart Lane, the old White Hart Lane, which are very small and very old. We were all just starry-eyed. Wow, the theater of dreams, isn't it? It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so we walk in, and then it's not the theater of dreams because of all the stadia I've been in in my life, the, the least amount of legroom. You literally— you, if And you're you, a taller guy. You're, what, 6'4", maybe 6'3"? Si- I'm 6'2", but it's not, still not freakishly tall. So, no, but tall enough to where legroom can be an issue. I'm 5'8", <laughs> and right. I've never once had to complain about legroom, right. even in the back of an MG. You pro- <laughs> I fit just fine, but anyway. You probably would have, though, because it, it's, it's shocking, because even when I put my feet straight down, the seat in front of me was scraping against my shins. So, yes, Theater of Dreams, Old Trafford, fantastic, but they don't, and there's no armrests. So what it is is just like people were so happy they weren't in terraces standing. 
But and then Tottenham, Gary Doherty actually got a goal, and then Patrick Vieira and Robert P. Race. We lost two to one, and it was a long, long ride back home. But that was my uh, Old Trafford experience. That's fantastic. Singing yeah. Tottenham sends as, uh, songs as we walk. My around. son, my youngest son, who's into soccer, is fifteen, and I am hoping that uh, when he gets a little bit older, we can make the trip over across the pond and go see some of the some of the great stadiums. Old Trafford certainly would be one of them. Love to go to the Etihad, one of the newer buildings, and of course Tottenham's new yard once that eventually opens. You look at Match Day 23, Rick, and you see not too many very compelling fixtures, but the feature game, Saturday, Arsenal hosting Chelsea, Champions League ramifications. How do you size up these two sides, where they are right now on Match Day 23? Well, this is the, you know, if I was uh, you know going to be honest, I would hope that a bomb hit the stadium because sure. I despise both those teams. But, of course, I would never say We're that. We're a Chelsea household, so we'll be pulling for the Blues <laughs> on the road at the Emirates. That's fine. Um, the, the These two new skippers, um, it's funny because as a Tottenham fan listening to the the idiots like um, Pierce Morgan saying uh, Wenger out, and I'm like, I hope you do get rid of him. You know, like, oh, he hasn't won a trophy in, in five years. Just be careful what you wish for. I remember when Arsenal hired Bruce Rioch as manager when George Graham left after they were champions. Like you're going to go right back to another Bruce Rioch. So that's the thing. Now they're still going to spend money, but now everyone's complaining about what's going on with Arsenal. Now Chelsea fans are all complaining. I, I, I think Chelsea's going to win this game. I think they might even win it by two goals. Aiden Hazard, who I don't like personally because he once roughed up a ball boy, which I thought was really messed up. That thing's happened. <laughs> He's a brilliant player. He, he was... You could argue the best player at the World Cup this year, and he's absolutely fantastic. The way I've never seen a guy who plays center forward who's like really a, a midfielder. I mean, he's directing traffic like in the box. I think Modric was the best player at the World Cup, quite frankly, considering what he did with a, a much more undermanned Croatian team. Hazard and Belgium far more talented. So we well, yeah, but, and of course uh, he won the Ballon d'Or. Did Luca? Let me tell you a quick Luka Modric story. I helped carry him out of a bathroom at Straits Get out of in here. San Jose. Get out of here. <laughs> when they played uh, the Earthquakes at Buckshaw. And afterwards, when Real Madrid did? Uh, when Tottenham did. Oh, Tottenham did. Yeah, when Tottenham did. This was the first time I saw John Fisher, and I realized that he actually exists. The A's owner. Yes, because he's very slippery, that guy. So um, they we played the game, and it was cool. Harry Redknapp was there. I got to meet him. I got to meet some of his staff. I got to meet Gareth Bale. Um, but then a couple guys went drinking. Roman Pavlyuchenko, Alan Hutton, Luka, um, uh, uh, Chorluka, Kronchar, all the Croatians, Modric, <laughs> and Robbie Keane. I went into the bathroom, and Alan Hutton in there in Scotland, and he's one of those guys that urinates. He has to pull down his drawers completely. I don't know why. I guess they don't have the zippers yet. You need the freedom sometimes. You need a little breeze. <laughs> but Luka Modric is thrown up at the, oh in, the in the bathroom God. at Straits at Santana Row. <laughs> and so... He's like, oh, and I had just shook hands with Pavlyuchenko, the Russian striker. Right. And he's like, oh, and Robbie Keane comes in, greatest Irish striker ever, still playing for L.A., grabs him by one hand. He looks at me and he's like, I get some help, mate. And so I kind of hooked my arm under his and we carried him out. And then Charlie, as they called Charluca and Nico Cronchar, they kind of took him in. And as they say in England, he was legless. Mm. That's how. Drunk, oh, yeah. That's how drunk. Uh, Modric was. So that's my Modric brush with greatness. That is awesome. Luka Modric, fantastic at the World Cup. Great run from Croatia, but I would say slightly better than Aiden Hazard and Chelsea. So you do have Chelsea taking on Arsenal in uh, match day 23, and you look at some of the other fixtures, none of them really stand out. Spurs and Fulham on Sunday. 
Man City's at Huddersfield. And, you know, aside from that, Man U and Brighton we mentioned. Liverpool still atop the table. Four-point lead over City. They've got uh, Crystal Palace. And, of course, Man City, as I mentioned, in the morning game at Huddersfield on Sunday. And uh, after that, a little bit of a break. Nine days off for the Premier League. And then after that, Champions League's right around the corner. So uh, things starting to heat up now that the January transfer period is just about over. Yeah, and we know some leagues do take Christmas breaks. That's one thing I love about England. It's like, not only do we not take a Christmas break, we're going to play extra games. Yes. Because people are at home. It's an absolute uh, deluge of soccer. Yes, and we're going to have a break. Of course, we have uh, FA Cup games coming up. We still have the League Cup semifinals. And as I say, my team's still in four competitions right now, and so to lose Kane is a, he's a huge, huge Even game. more devastating. Yeah. Even more devastating. Well, uh, how about we talk to Chris Wondolowski, Rick, a good friend of the area, friend of the Bay Area, San Jose Earthquakes legend. May I say, and this is where the comparisons end, we both went to Catholic high schools in Contra Costa County. We both played varsity soccer for those teams, and that's where the comparisons end. I was going to say I was with you through step (laughs) one because I went to a Catholic high school Uh in Marin County, so Mm -hmm. the three of us share Catholic high school education. The two of you (laughs) share high school soccer but only one of us, of the three of us, has made it on the U.S. national team. And we are all Division Two guys, too. Yes, we are. Well, let's bring him in. Chris Wondolowski, Wando, San Jose Earthquakes. Welcome to Golasso Supremo. Chris, how you doing, Wando? Hey, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for, uh, for doing this. Love to do it. Love to talk soccer. It's something that Rick and I are both super passionate about. Uh, the podcast is Golasso Supremo because we love the supreme goals. Can you... Pick among all your goals. Can you pick a favorite goal, or is it is it like choosing between your kids, Wando? Is it is it impossible to pick what your favorite all time goal you scored is? Um, I don't know. I mean, should I say this? Do I already have favorite kids? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, I have, but I do have a couple of favorite goals. Um, they're actually the ones that just kind of mean a lot to me. Uh, the one uh, in the playoffs against New York Red Bulls uh, across from uh, Bobby Convey as I kind of knocked the Red, or knocked the Red Bulls out. It was a winning goal at Red Bull Stadium. Uh, that would one definitely sticks, but uh, I also definitely enjoy the one at uh, Stanford Stadium, El Clasico, uh, against LA Galaxy, kind of a back heel flick thing, and uh, got to salute uh, some of the armed forces, and it was right in front of the Ultras, uh, in front of a packed house. It was pretty, pretty cool. Wando, it's great to talk to you as a uh, as an ultra myself. As they, they took me in, there's nothing like sitting there, uh, especially now at Avaya, too. It's so great, but I want to ask you about the national team. We know about the disaster of missing out on the World Cup, which is really no excuse when you play in CONCACAF. It did happen. Um, I wasn't really happy with the choice of president, but I do like the Ernie Stewart pick as a GM. And now Greg Berhalter, your former National League uh, uh, national team teammate, he's taken over. He's got his first game coming up here against Panama on the 27th. And, you know, he's he's got some roots in the league as, as a coach. Maybe a little bit surprising, but yet on the other hand, when you're thinking about some of the former players that were running, like the the Winaldas of the world, um, maybe this is a, a a good choice. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's uh, you know definitely an interesting balance and always a tough uh, tough line to to you know find that balancing act of finding the best players in this country. And uh, you know, you think that you have to have the right people in place and the right president, the right GM, the right coach. And uh, now also you have to develop the, the talent below. And I think uh, it starts, you know, starts well before it gets to the national team level. I think that it, you know, starts at the youth and uh, starts at the roots down there. And, uh, you know, I think that 
we could have a whole podcast that could go a couple hours just on whether <laughs> you could do uh, pay to play or you know what type of uh, youth level it, it is to uh, help encourage and try to influence uh, these new these new players and um, you know but I I am very happy with uh, you know it's it's kind of a tough tough thing for Greg Berhalter I think that he uh, you know right now with the U.S. soccer we we're in a dire stretch where we need to do something we kind of need to make a splash somehow after missing the World Cup and you know usually kind of a coach is the way to do that we're really kind of being a uh, a talking point a spark plug sometimes a name you know I think Jurgen Klinsmann kind of was able to to provide that you know was that eight, uh, eight ten years ago. And, um, you know, but I think that Berhalter is very uh, qualified for this job. I think that he understands and he has a philosophy that is something that we can, that's very practical and that they can use at the national team level. And I think it can be very successful. And, uh, you know, how it's implemented is very important. What pieces are there and at his uh, disposal is very important as well. And so, but I'm very excited to see where this is taken off to. It's incredible that you went from Division Two Chico State all the way to the national team. And you think about how to develop the national team. It's probably not going to D2 and building people from the bottom and, and getting them to get there. But what can you take from your own individual journey from where you started in college to where you got to with the national team? How do you apply that sort of mode and that sort of lesson to what American soccer really needs? Absolutely, and I think that that's one of the, the greatest things about the sport and one of the things I love, but it's also one of the hardest things to do is to be able to identify talent. And, um, you know, I think that there are so many players that slip through the cracks uh, that whether they develop later, whether they are not in the right system, whether they didn't have the right, uh, you know, coaching, it, it's, uh, you know, a lot of these things that end up playing into a big part of how you're brought up and how you develop. And, uh, you know, my biggest thing, and I always try to be a proponent, be your biggest seller, be your agent out there and try to uh, get yourself looked at if you're going to college, if you're, you know, through high school. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, I I love my time at Chico. It uh, helped me develop and become who I am. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a very, uh, it's not a path that I recommend, but at the same time, if you have that drive and you have that passion, uh, you know, I think that you can end up uh, rising to the level. Speaking with Chris Wondolowski, the 41st overall pick who has scored 140 goals. As he said, identifying talent, Dan, you never know. <laughs> That's even lower than uh, Draymond went in the NBA. <laughs> exactly. Actually, yeah, to, to be honest, that was the 41st pick in the supplemental draft. They actually had eight rounds before that uh, <laughs> yeah, so in the super draft. So I think it was like number like 88 overall or 89. Yeah, it was uh, some, uh, some down there. That's like Tom Brady country, Wando. <laughs> hey, Bay Area guy, you know, I think that just uh, it comes in the Bay. No doubt about it. Let's talk about the Quakes for a second because um, I know this Sunday you're going to be going down there to Via, meeting with the fans. They're selecting their seats. An exciting time. We're getting ready for a new season, uh, a forgettable season. Four wins in 34 games and really one of the worst seasons all time in MLS. And, and you guys change coaches all the time. Like you went through four coaches before I could blink, but now – with Matias Almeida in there, and you think about his pedigree, a star with Argentina in the World Cup and the places that he's coached most recently at Chivas. He was a very gritty defensive midfielder, and I just hope that this is the guy that we can park there for a few years, like we did with Dominic or we did with Frank, maybe even longer, that this is the guy. So 
Quake fans, we are excited when we got them late in the season and this off season. You get a lot of famous players, maybe, or bigger names that want to come play for him because he he is a big name. What have you seen from him so far, Wando? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's uh, it's amazing. One, I love the buzz that he's created and just the excitement uh, around with the fans and also the players. But uh, you know, I think that his resume speaks for itself. Uh, I think I think yesterday was he the Concast uh, Coach of the Year. You know, won so many titles um, wherever he's gone and been able to develop players and so. Uh, I think all of us are just excited for, you know, for this new opportunity to uh, to be able to play, um, you know, with one of the best, you know, under and be able to learn from one of the best. It's uh, truly exciting. And you're sitting on a milestone, Wanda. So let's just uh, throw the rat on the table, as we as we like to say. <laughs> one goal behind Landon Donovan as you're entering another season. And it's basically almost an inevitability that, that this will go down. Have you thought much about where you are one goal behind Landon Donovan for all time in Major League Soccer. Have you started to put that in perspective, just exactly how tremendous this accomplishment will be? Um, slowly, I think. Uh, you know, it's, I'm pretty bummed I'm one behind right now. I really wish I could have finished it off last season. That's <laughs> <laughs> a long, especially the season that we had, too. This has been a long off season with a lot of things that have been keeping me up at night. But, uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the start of it because I do want to uh, you know it is a goal of mine uh, to do this year and uh, you know just to be again I've mentioned before but to be mentioned the same sentence as Landon Donovan it's uh, it's crazy to me it's still that part is not sunken into me um, you know and I do hope uh, you know maybe later down in my career when uh, I get to tell my grandkids uh, you know about this and tell them that I really did play uh, play professionally that uh, that that's when it can can hold some value. You know, you look at the talent that you have, and it was great to see Nick Lima perhaps uh, get some caps and uh, love that kid coming down the wing on defense, putting in crosses, and then getting back. Great speed as well. Who are some of the other guys that are coming in that uh, maybe some Quake fans that don't know about yet but uh, should get excited about, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, um, you know, there's quite a few that are, you know, that are up and coming, you know, I think that Luis Felipe is, uh, you know, really showed his, he's a nice central uh, midfielder for us that is starting to, you know, really come into his own and starting to grow. I think Harold Cummings is going to have a breakout year this year. I think with him and Gurum Kasia, uh, the pairing together, if uh, they stay healthy and everything goes to plan, I think that those two are, you know, a dynamic duo and something to be reckoned with. Uh, you know, that's definitely sure up the back line. Um, you know, and find some cohesion in there. I think Eric Cavillo, um, another young, uh, you know, young guy, and uh, Gilbert Fuentes. I think that these guys in the central can uh, really, you know, add something that that's, that's special. You know, you you play for as long as you have, and then one day you wake up and you're coming up on your 36th birthday, and you realize you're one of the veterans in the league, one of the one of the older guys on the club. Quite frankly, do you relish this role now of kind of being the old wise man? of a Quakes team that is so full of young players and so full of promise for the future that really you can be the guy to, to kind of be the bridge between the good early Quakes teams and the, and the early aughts, as we like to say, and, and what lies ahead for the San Jose team. Yeah, it, um, I mean, it goes by quick. The, you know, the, the days are long, but the years are short. It's, uh, you know, it's gone by in a blink of an eye. But I, one thing that is kind of funny and it's now, you know, kind of come, full circle is that 
I remember being a young guy and being in a locker room and just not really knowing where to go, what to do or, you know, how to be a professional, but loving every minute of it. And I was so fortunate to have some of the veterans of Craig Weibel and Brian Mullen and Brian Ching, Dwayne De Rosario, Brad. De- I mean, I could literally name the whole Pat Onstad. These guys, um, you know, Eddie Robinson, these guys literally taught me so many valuable lessons that I now, I, I, was hoping that I get to pass along, you know, that I get to be the veteran one day, and now I am. And so it's kind of cool that I am get to pass on to a lot of these same messages that I learned. And, uh, you know, I know on the social media, this 10-year challenge or 10-year, you know, where different things, and it's funny how a lot of these uh, same things, you know, 10 years ago, they're, they're winning championships for a reason with Houston Dynamo. And, um, you know, now I get to hopefully pass that along and pass on some of those little tidbits as well. Yeah, as soon as you said Di Rosario, that goal right back in my mind again, bringing that first star to the shirt. Um, Wanda, one of the things the fans love about you, you're not just you know an East Bay guy and a Bay Area guy, NorCal guy, but when you score, I mean, especially it was great at Buckshaw, the way you would run into the ultras and now at, at Avaya as well. So the fan base has always meant a lot to you as well. And I know as a guy who went to school at Chico, as Dan was saying, uh, you really helped out with, with some of the campfire victims. You held uh, last month a, a little uh, a camp up there to raise some money, and uh, that was I thought that was a really cool gesture. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, I loved it. I was, uh, you know, it was a treat for me. I am sorry for, you know, wrong use of your words right there, but it was a, it, it was a great opportunity to help some people that in need because it was devastating to hear some of these stories and inspiring to hear some of the heroism and to hear some of the people that just how they came together as a community and the love for each other and uh, just the generosity was some special. And I got to go up there and I get to play soccer with uh, some of these amazing kids and some of these, uh, you know, amazing individuals. And I get to play soccer with them and hang out with them and spend six hours, you know, or like spend two days with them that, um, I loved and I enjoyed every minute of it. And I also had some of my best friends that I went to college with and were roommates and in my wedding and uh, played teammates with, and they all came back as well. So I got to hang out with friends and, and uh, learn and hear about some of these amazing stories and amazing individuals, uh, you know, for a couple of days. It was, uh, it was uh, truly inspiring for me. It's a remarkable thing that, that you were able to do. And I know that as you start to move toward the, the final stretches of your career on the field that you have big plans on what you're going to do off the field. First, have you started to maybe eyeball when you might hang the boots up? And, and once you do, other than being a, a husband and a father and, and a pretty darn good golfer uh, from, from my <laughs> eye, at least compared to me anyway, what are the things you're going to be looking to, to, to do, Wando, when you hang them up? Yeah, uh, thanks. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, to be honest, uh, you know, this year, I think that it's, it's going to be, I'm going to do a lot of thinking at the end of this year. Um, I'm hoping, you know, a lot of my goals come, uh, come to fruition, come, uh, come to plan. And, uh, if they do, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is my last year, but, um, you know, I, I am going to reevaluate. I love coming in every day. I love going to practice. I, you know, the games are what I live for, but coming in for practice is still a fun thing for me. And so, uh, as long as that's, there i still want to continue to do that but um you know i also don't want to be that guy that needs a walker to uh to get out there on the field so it's a it's a tough balance one final question for you chris and that is we always love how superstitious athletes are 
And I'm sure, I think it was against Belize, you run out there for USA. They got an extra W in your name. You're probably pretty upset about that. But you hit a hat trick, and then you're like, wait, leave it misspelled. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, why mess with a good thing? If it's not broken, don't fix it. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, it's always been, uh, you know, a bit superstitious. I always still put my socks on the same way. I still do this dumb sock roll that I've done since high school. It looks awful, but, I mean, I can't change it now. I mean, it's been over two decades now. So, you know, I just kind of <laughs> have to rock with it. And, um, you know, it's uh, – but it, the the W was always with me, and uh, the kid man Jesse Bignami was a great friend and still is a good buddy, and we still joke about it. And uh, so he had to put that W in that shirt somewhere. Incredible memory. I remember watching that game uh, from a restaurant bar in Waikiki mm-hmm. and telling my kids, who were much younger at the time, obviously, that's ah, Wando, you know, that's my guy, that's Wando. And <laughs> you go out there with the hat trick as Juan Dowlowski <laughs> with the extra W. It was uh, remarkable. Chris, I, I do want to ask you, and this is kind of a way of, of paying you an unbelievable compliment because the way you handled the adversity from the World Cup where you had the chance to send the Americans potentially through in the knockout stages and the, the play didn't go your way, but you answered all the questions and you continue to do so going forward. How much has the way you dealt with that adversity really changed the way you are as a person and, and really set an example for others? Yeah, um, to be honest, yeah, it actually it has it's changed my life in a good way, in a sense. I mean, I will, I would love to go back and change that outcome every single second. But at the same time, there were there have been some positives. One, it gives me great motivation. A lot of times, uh, a lot of times of need, at times of doubt, uh, gives me that motivation to break through those walls. But also, kind of just gives me, you know, a new outlook on life, and also outlook on life on what people think, but make sure, you know, hold your friends and family. And those are the opinions that, that matter. And those are the ones that, that count. Um, you know, not everyone, you can't make everyone happy in the world and, um, that's all right. And you can still be successful. You can still do your thing, but, um, you know, make sure you listen to the right people. And, you know, Chris, I talked to you, I interviewed you just a couple of weeks after that, Belgium game and at the time you said hey man what can I do I got to keep playing and what an inspiration as I said uh, the way that that you came back from that the other thing I have especially for guys who miss in penalty shootouts I always say you have to be brave to represent your country because you know it's at, at stake and just the fact that you were there you were in the right spot you were wearing the colors and we got nothing for nothing but pride for you thanks I appreciate that and uh, yeah it was uh, it's always something I wish to take back but it's something that um, I think has has helped me uh, one way or another. Well, Chris, good luck this upcoming season. Thanks for joining us. And if you could just do us one favor, when the record breaker comes, and I know you're one goal away from Landon Donovan, and you don't want to jinx it, certainly, but if you could make that a home game, I think we'd all appreciate that, Wando. <laughs> all right, I'll see what I can do. Um, you know, never know. Thanks, Wando. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.